0: Hey everybody, welcome to Bible and Banter with Luke and Eric and we're going to do something very special to start the show today. So Eric, I'm going to need you to just be quiet and enjoy for a few minutes. Because I'm not Eric, I'm not going to do that for the next, you know, 13 minutes and scare everybody away. But I did want to play the the birthday song by Stevie Wonder in honor of the one, the only Eric Reynolds. Are you 33 today? Have you no. outlived our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself?
1: No, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm tomorrow.
0: 33. Tomorrow, okay. Tomorrow um, Eric will be 33, and he will have gone longer than Jesus himself did without being crucified.
1: I will say this. I hate my birthday every single year. And my wife and I were talking about this, yesterday. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, because I— I like to go get on social media and engage with people because unlike other people, I actually think it's kind of effective in some ways to have productive conversation if you're not a rear end. Um, And believe it or not, I'm not usually a rear end. So um, I can, I find value in some of these conversations. So when I get on social media, particularly Facebook every single August 26th for like the last, I don't know, seven or eight years, I get inundated with notifications saying so-and-so wished you a happy birthday. And then I feel obligated to like, thank people for all the birthday wishes or else I am a rear end. So it just becomes really exhausting.
0: So please. I, I, have, I have to, I have to tell a story now. I have to tell a story. Okay. Really, just
1: don't, here's my one request, please, please. If you want to wish me a happy birthday, don't. And I'll just assume that you did. And I won't take it personally. It causes a great deal of anxiety on my part. Like, I'm not kidding. I see all these things and I get, I need a vacation from my birthday every single year. So now I have to tell a story. Uh, My wife
0: made the announcement of our pregnancy on Facebook. Wait, I didn't know. Wait, what? You didn't even tell me? Oh, sorry.
1: Congratulations, I man! Oh, thank you.
0: I, I didn't. Wow. Sorry, I
1: didn't. I didn't tell you. You're right. Yeah. Now I feel now I'm kind of hurt. You didn't even say it. we've we were just recording for like the last hour uh, a special for our banter club members, and you didn't even mention that that your <laughs> wife's pregnant. Uh, I'm. I, I hate to hurt you more, but she actually
0: announced it last week. <laughs> wow anyways so she puts out this facebook announcement and uh tons of people anytime you make announce a, you know make an announcement about a baby everybody freaks out
1: yeah and then, did you tell your parents beforehand
0: yes yeah we called okay. we called family members before okay. we put I'll just i
1: am just check it just make sure yeah. uh-huh. and
0: uh why, why would you think so little of me? I called,
1: I called family. You didn't call me. You call me about dumb stuff all the time. You're like, I told you, you are one of the few people on this earth that I will pick up my phone on the first ring. And whenever I see Luke Copeland, I think it's going to be something important. And you call me about dumb stuff all the time. And you don't call me about your wife being pregnant. So I probably shouldn't admit
0: this on air, but well, you know, this I'm in it now. You you know that those classes I've been taking from Lou Going for, you know, like 4 or 5 months for Greek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that Greek class. My wife found out about it on Sunday. <laughs> oh, really? I I'm 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 learning that communication surprisingly despite my career choice is not my strong suit. So Eric and the and, and all the all the Bible banterites and my wife if she's listening, doubtful, but if she is I am going to work to be a better communicator in the future. Now let me finish my story. What's we were talking about a story? Yes. Oh, okay, the, go ahead. The, my wife made this announcement on Facebook. All these people liked it and commented. And there I mean there were over a 100 comments. And late last week my wife goes, "Why haven't you liked the comments?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And I went and I looked, Eric, she liked every single comment on the thread so you and her have something in common
1: did she like did she like it or did she heart it because i feel like if you only liked it it's kind of like i don't know i don't feel good about that you have to it. i think
0: there's something wrong with you people all right you know what i did eric nothing I did nothing. I read the comments.
1: I enjoyed them. And then I moved on with my day. So I I can't help you. Um, Mike, I love Mike's comment. If he doesn't tell you he's leaving Facebook, why would he tell you about a pregnancy? (laughs) Mike coming in hot. He is a hundred percent correct. I should not be surprised. However, this isn't about me. This is about you and Lindsay and your family. Congratulations, man. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't mean to steal your birthday thunder. I thought no, was please, please do it. I'm the, you can ask my wife. I'm the hardest person to buy a gift for, um, and to like celebrate. Like she was telling me on Sunday, she's like, so what do we got to do? What, what do you want to do for your birthday? I'm like, I don't, I've never really been big about celebrating my birthday. I think, and I think this is why, right? Um, so my mom passed away back in April. Um, and, I remember having a conversation with her like a couple of years ago. Um, Cause I, I was talking with her about how I don't really enjoy s- celebrating my birthday or it's, it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's that like, I don't go out of my way. Like I don't make it a big deal. And um, she asked me why. And I said, well, because when I was a kid, my mom owned a horse. I said, we always had a birthday party and I was the last one. And I got the fewest amount of rides on the horse. Everybody else got to ride the horse more than I did. And I think that has stuck with me all these years. So, um, you well, know what?
0: I, I just don't need it. You know, I, I, I didn't know we were going to have a therapy session with Eric today, but I'm glad this is happening that we can deal <laughs> with his birthday issues. Uh, yep. everyone else, Eric says, don't wish him happy birthday. I'm sorry, Eric, I'm going to wish you a happy birthday. Whatever anxiety it produces for you, for everyone else in the chat so that they don't feel they have to. I will uh, wish Eric a happy birthday on behalf of all the Bible chat as
1: well. They, hey, You can wish me a happy birthday in person. That's fine. Um, just I don't want to have to respond to all the comments on Facebook. All right. All right. So no social media
0: happy birthdays. But if I were to collect, a, you know, get a bunch of a choir together and show up on your doorstep, that would be fine. No, I, really I would care. be
1: mortified. I would be mortified. I would feel so. All um, right. um, uh, people in the chat, private message
0: me about Eric's birthday choir. If you live in the area, moving uh, on, Eric, Eric is going to make some plugs now while I clean up all the confetti that I threw all over the floor. Early.
1: Well, Luke is supposed to be, um, what is it? So for our venture club members, we are supposed to be doing a drawing for this book right here um expository exaltation which is a wonderful book by john piper on preaching and nevertheless the three Benta club members that qualify for this only one of them preaches regularly but it can also help you in appreciating um the 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 preaching of god's word so i encourage you to get this book if you don't have it if you are one of those members i hope luke is preparing how to draw these names right now if not um oh yeah I'm ready, oh, I'm ready i'm okay? ready okay Give them to me. Okay, so it's uh Matt, yep, Jess, mm-hmm, and Moose. Uh, Moose won the last one. Good old Moose. Okay. Yep. So uh, Matt and Jess are married. So really, I mean, it's a for them, it's a big deal. Uh, What's funny
0: is Matt and Jess are married, and yet so far, I'm pretty sure Moose has won everything.
1: Yes. Yeah, um, and I'm kind of pulling for moves for this one, too. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right.
0: So in, in honor of Eric's birthday, we are going to do a confetti drawing. So I'm going to throw all three names up in the air, and whichever one lands face up will win the special prize. None of them landed on screen. Uh, oh, look at that. Look at that. Who is it? Matt. Yeah. Matt has won this food, Matt
1: Woo!
0: And because the two shall become one flesh, Jess is also a winner.
1: Yep. They've well they've become one flesh. They're already married.
0: I was um, just so, quoting the scripture, you know,
1: the thing oh, that got oh, okay. Well, that's fine. And some other big news. All right. Well, first off, let's start with this. If um you let, let me switch the, the banner, if you hit like on our video right now so go ahead hit like i'm gonna help you right now because this is gonna this is gonna help you help us help you right it's gonna help you help us help you so hit like smash that like button i don't see any likes i do not send see any likes i only see one heart and it's by my wife so um you're failing at this everybody hit the like button on facebook i still don't see any See, what what they don't understand is that we're
0: not moving on until this happens.
1: Okay. Oh, oh, we're up to three. Okay. So, uh, Palma and Matt. Okay, there we go. We got the likes. Maybe it's just taking a minute. So, keep hitting those likes. Um, If you hit the like button and smash that share button. So, you hit the like and smash the share button. We are going to pull names on our next episode so that people that um are watching this not live but watch it later, they can also do this. We got two books that were given away. So there's two copies of my book. Um, so there will be two winners. So whoever uh to, to enter to win, hit like, smash share, and then boom, there we go. I, I can already tell that Mike is on his game
0: today. I'm I'm excited for the the ribbing and teasing yet
1: to come, <laughs> he says. Eric just doesn't want to pay shipping, <laughs> and the funny thing is, is because Matt he's announced to his church in our in our church, Matt's actually going to be the associate pastor of my church. The, the, so that's pretty exciting. So um so I don't know. I'll text Matt and ask ask if he wants me to ship it, or we can just wait till he comes down next month and I'll give it to him. Um. So so yeah. Oh. So got that. also, last thing. So we still again hit like, hit share, keep doing it. By the end of the show, we hope to uh, we'll, we'll pull names next Tuesday of who will get those books. Mm-hmm. Also, you can pick up my new book, Discover, on Amazon, and it's a it's a it's actually a lot longer. This one's 147 pages. It's on doctrine. Luke actually wrote a you edited it, and you uh, you did like a you're in the fr- on the front page. With yeah, your, yeah, yeah. I wrote a either a review or a
0: forward, whatever you want to call it. A review, yeah, a recommendation. Will you hold up the two books side by side? Because obviously the contents of the books are great, but the covers are phenomenal.
1: Boom. So this one's a proof copy. That's why that line's there at the top. But uh, I tried putting the 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 link. I'm trying to put the link in the uh, below for my book. Discover. It's on Amazon. It's actually a little bit more expensive than my first one. But uh, it's because it's like three times the length. But it's not three times the cost. So there you go. Um, let's get to the good stuff, man. Um, hold on. Instead of, instead of me plugging hold, everything. Hold on. One more plug.
0: Folks, join the banter club. Did you just see all that, that sweet merch we just gave away? We record special shows that you don't get to be, you know listen to unless you're in. So just yep. do it.
1: What was just, the episode today that we did? We talked about uh, worship music. We talked about worship music. We also did one on... We had a couple ones that we did last week. Yeah. What were they? Do you ever remember? Uh, you know, Eric, I don't remember
0: what I had for breakfast this morning. Okay. Okay. I don't remember either, but yeah. it was good. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, but that's the point. We're, we're, we're putting out so much content we don't
1: even remember what we did. So yeah, it's, it's insane. Like if you, if you aren't a part of the Panther club, then you can't, you hit America, first of all, um, <laughs> and (laughs) you have the weirdest way of 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 plugging things i'm
0: just kidding you don't (laughs) hate america you you just no look look in all seriousness um eric pays for this streaming service so so far you guys are not old enough to use that excuse pama i've been using that excuse since i was five so i don't know how old (laughs) i was supposed to be but I, it, I've been using that excuse for a long time, but yeah, um, Eric actually uses uh, pays to use this service, and so right now, every dime that you give to us is going straight back into the show. So don't be shy about joining the Patreon club.
1: Yeah, we appreciate you. We really do. Um, all right, let's get to it, man. Uh, there was an article. So last week we had a lot of fun starting off with a funny article. Um, that and so if you haven't watched last week's Tuesday show. I mean, we started off and throughout the show, we kind of sprinkled these things in the recommendations or, or what would you call them? Tips on how a woman in 1958 could find a husband. And there were some interesting things in there. So my favorite, carrying around a hat box. I The hat
0: box, that that's going to have to be a Bible and banter T-shirt someday. That Carry was- around
1: the hat box. Yeah. Or just get a hat box with our faces on. That would definitely bring the man coming. Oh, all right. No, any, if any, and if any of you in the comment
0: section would like to recommend any hat box t-shirt graphic designs, uh, I'm happy to see them.
1: I like it. All right. So today we're going to start off with a funny article, or at least I think it's funny. If you're Roman Catholic, it, it's going to cause you a crisis of conscience, but uh, that's probably a good thing because we want to see you come out of the um, heretical church of Roman Catholicism and into a gospel believing church that might not be Luke's church or my church, but a, a church that preaches the gospel and not works based salvation. Let's get to it. Luke. This is, um, this is on American magazine.org. This was a, uh, an article that I found today. The title is a priest discovered his baptism was invalid. It's ripple effect or ripple effects bring heartache and confusion to the entire church community. Okay. All right. Um, the Archdiocese of Detroit is seeking to contact anyone who may have received invalid sacraments after a priest of the Archdiocese learned his own baptism as an infant 30 years ago was invalid. On August 6th, the Vatican's Congregation of the Doctrine of, of the Faith issued a note clarifying that baptisms using an improper formula Namely, those using the phrase, we baptize you, instead of the church's ancient formula, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, are not valid. So what does that do? What does that mean? First off, theology matters, Luke. Why does theology matter? Because these jokers, right, the Roman Catholics, this is what they believe. That if the priest is in in some way in unrepentant sin, If the priest has not been properly baptized and catechized, if there is something wrong with the priest and he administers the sacraments or baptism or anything else, it is invalid. Now, what does that matter to the congregant? The congregant in Roman Catholic theology needs to be baptized so that that will wipe out original sin. And then they also need to receive the sacraments uh, in order to... um, have these works of, um, it'll, it'll, help them along in their salvation. All right. So it helps them earn salvation. It is a salvific event when they take communion. So if you have a priest who even receives con- your confession and says, all right, you, um, stubbed your toe and dropped the F-bomb now read now, like recite seven Hail Marys, right? That's a prayer that they have a heretical prayer. Um, recite these seven Hail Marys and you'll be forgiven. Even that, even that does not fly. So he wasn't baptized properly, according to the Roman Catholics. Therefore, anything he's done is invalid. And let me, let's be clear.
0: The reason he was baptized improperly was because of one wrongly used pronoun.
1: Yes. Which Glenn is, Glenn's right. We need to watch our own pronouns um, because it sounds like our churches don't, preach the gospel we do preach the gospel
0: we do i think, I think the moral of the story is that pronouns matter
1: pronouns matter and they all, should be all pronouns matter all pronouns matter but particularly the ones that are assigned to at birth <laughs> <laughs> uh i think the funniest part of that article
0: is you read read the first uh the first statement again that you did
1: the archdiocese of detroit is seeking to contact anyone who may have received invalid sacraments after a priest of the archdiocese learned his own baptism as an infant 30 years ago was invalid.
0: So what's really funny is that first sentence makes it sound like that this particular priest became a Baptist because <laughs> he learned <laughs> that his infant baptism was invalid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is love, a love for to our,
0: Love to our Presbyterian and uh, Lutheran brothers and sisters, but come on, that's funny.
1: That is funny. So – yeah, man. Theology matters. Um, theology matters. Yeah. And, 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 I, and, I get and
0: we we are saved not by baptism, but by Jesus Christ, his atoning work and the regenerating presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, scripture clearly teaches that baptism is a symbolic confession of the invisible miracle that God performs. That's right. Yeah.
1: That's right. So, um, Hey, I just want to say we only got, uh, looks like we only got three shares. Okay. Hey, look, if, if people don't want to win free books, that's, that's, that's on you. That's on them. That's should on we, you. should we get into the subject today? Uh, yeah. So Luke introduce our subject, our subject for us.
0: Yeah. I, I feel it is difficult to address the subject without naming names and addressing the elephants in the room. Uh, good old Jerry Falwell Jr. AFJ. Has been removed from his position at Liberty University in the wake of a scandal. Mm-hmm. Did we say any more than that?
1: How many, I'll, I'll let you decide how many juicy details are this. Well, missing. you can, you can just go and look up the details yourself, but it, it's a, it's a fidelity scan, uh, scandal. Um, it seems that his wife was having an affair, um, which is tragic. But it sounds like he was complicit in it. So, um, you know, uh, the the bottom line is,
0: and this is something that has happened many times before. It's not necessarily anything new. We have a very public Christian leader. Experiencing a very public and very ugly fallout as the result of very serious moral failings.
1: And Jerry Falwell Jr. I mean, if you don't know who he is, you you absolutely probably know who his father was, Jerry Falwell Sr., the leader of the and creator of the Moral Majority. They had a huge um political, um huge political clout in the eighties and nineties. Passed that on to to his son, Jerry Jr. And um, Jerry has habitually been someone who has acted in manners or, or in ways uncharacteristic of a Christian leader. So this isn't um, – I know people – like when we talk about presidents and stuff like that, I hear people's conversations or at least like they'll say, well, we're not voting for a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that. I disagree. The more I learn about the history of the United States, pretty much every single president we've had has been morally bankrupt. So I get that. Like we, we aren't voting for a, for a pastor. I get it. He's the leader of a Christian university. That is the largest in the world, the largest evangelical university in the world, which I attended. I'm a graduate of, and they have very strict moral rules. Um, girls cannot wear uh, yoga pants. There's no kissing on campus, including uh, your spouse. Um, you're not allowed to watch any movies with, with, um, that are sexually suggestive. Mm-hmm. Um, they restrict music and all those kinds of things. Actually, in, in fact, it was a big deal back in 2016 when, um, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, um, and anna- that he announced his candidacy for president at Liberty university and it made waves because he kissed his wife on stage because he was allowed to kiss his wife on stage, which is something that, um, students are not allowed to do, Mm -hmm. uh, which I agreed with. I'm like, listen, you can't have a guy up on stage kissing his wife when you don't allow the students to do it. That is absurd. Um, but, but I think
0: the point you're making Eric is that this is a school and a leader who has, uh, at least in, in their words called for a very, very high standard of sexual decency and purity. And to see, uh, him go down in this way really flies in the face of a lot that the institution and that individual have stood for, for a long time.
1: Yeah. And you know what, it, it's, it's unfortunate because it seems like these types of things happen more and more. Um, and, and it's almost like, and you and I spoke about this on air before, right? My big thing is if if you have a Christian leader, right. It could be you. It could be me. It could be someone who's huge like a Jerry Falwell jr. You know, in, in recent memory, we think of, of James McDonald. Um yeah. And then you um, can go back, you can go
0: back 10 and 20 years. The guys like Jimmy Swagger.
1: Yeah. Well, Jimmy Swagger was always kind of a, you know, he was a prosperity preaching gospel gospel guy, wasn't he? Yeah. But, but similar,
0: similar, the way that he sort of went down.
1: Yeah. So, in. Uh, there was, in fact, it's funny. I think the guy's name was Jim Baker, B A K K E R, mm-hmm. who, um, who essentially resigned from his ministry, handed over to Jerry Falwell Sr. so Jerry, ju- Jerry Jr.'s dad. And Jerry Sr. said that this guy was essentially like a snake. This guy was terrible. He did, he did, he was the worst thing in Christianity possible. And, I mean it kind of pales in comparison to what what his son has done. and I don't take pleasure in saying that. I, it mourns me because it besmirches the name of Christ. It gets in the way of sharing the gospel. it makes Liberty University um look terrible. so um in in so doing, like when the largest evangelical Christian university looks terrible, the we lose yeah like but, yeah
0: and, and what we really want to talk about today because we don't I think it is important that we sort of say, you know, recognize the elephants in the room, say what it is that's happening, but we don't want to spend the rest of the hour um, engaging in gossip and and just saying nasty things about this person or this institution. We want to talk about how Christians should respond. Now, Bickford's point, I think, is fair, that this stuff isn't necessarily happening more, because I think we can see in a lot of the the writings of Paul that these kinds of uh, moral failings were present in the church from the very beginning of the church. Uh, But we do hear about them more, and some of that is because of the proliferation of the sort of the news, uh, but also because of the directory of our culture, that our culture wants to see these kinds of moral failings in Christian leaders and Christian institutions because it allows them to
1: besmirch and delegitimize the gospel. Mm -hmm. It it does. So I think – so let's first talk about – I want to talk about repentance and restoration. So when we see these types, so I think we can apply these same principles to, to you or I, to any small town, small town or small church pastor, all the way up to these Christian leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say Christian leaders, I mean, you know, prominent Christian leaders. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, what I look for less is less of, uh, I don't, I don't look at the sin as much as I look at the repentance. Mm. And I think that's what's important. How do they react? How how does someone react mm. when they're confronted with their own sinfulness? And mm. and this goes back to Matthew 18, right? So Jesus says, "Go to your brother in private." Um and and what you're trying to do is to win them to the cross. That's really mm. what you're trying to do because the cross doesn't doesn't heap condemnation because those who love the darkness are already condemned. Instead it sanitizes and cleanses those who come to it, but you have to turn away. You have to turn away from your sin in order to turn to Christ. Um, So what you're trying to do is bring someone to the cross and try to restore them. We should absolutely try to restore Jerry Jr. Um, Now that might not be as, as president because if you read, it's quite apparent. If you go back for a la- lot since 2007, um, his leadership has been quite ungodly, um, quite anti-Christian for for some time. Um, there seems to be a pattern, so that could be a stumbling block. And in fact, I would suggest that um, putting someone in power who has a history of abusing that power uh, is to put before them a stumbling block. And mm-hmm. you you've um, put a great millstone on themselves and yourself. So we need to be careful. Um, so,
0: Palma's Poma, question is an interesting one. Did any, did any of these Christian professors use the biblical way of bringing him to repentance? And honestly, Pama, you know we don't know no. what was happening behind the scenes. I think your point though is is fair that when this does happen, it is important that we turn to Scripture for the method in terms of uh, confronting people with their sins. So that's a great point. Yeah, and
1: I, I'll say this. Um, the the feeling I get um, in talking with, because there have been some prominent, um, prominent professors who've left Liberty University because, and they say it's because of the leadership there. Um, based on what I've seen, and I don't doubt it, that there is a um, culture of fear and intimidation that not even his closest friends would be able to um, approach him without getting fired Um, in fact there's at least one case of an individual who who tried that and did get fired but the non-disclosures are non-dis- – reportedly, the non-disclosure agreements are so tight that everyone is forced to sign to be employed there, and especially on their board, that they're not allowed to discuss anything. So we yeah. really don't know. And that's really a sign to me of, of – um, that's a yeah. problem. Me. Having in
0: it in, in, in some ways, too. In some ways, even if I don't agree with the non-disclosure agreements themselves, I'm kind of glad that we don't have lots of details. I mean, that's that should be that that should be done as privately as it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they've come to a place now where they've had to do it publicly, which is exactly what the New Testament commands. That if you confront someone privately and and it it doesn't go anywhere, then you're forced to to confront them publicly. Yeah. But I don't know that we need to know the private details. The bottom line is, uh, I it seems as though there were some who did try to confront him privately. And the clear New Testament teaching is, when you go to someone, they won't hear you. You take someone with you, they still won't hear you. It is time for a, a public rebuke, and it was it was time.
1: Yeah, um, and this is this is this is making national news, and I think it's even gone international because um, you had mentioned this uh, off air. But he was, Jimmy, uh, or Jerry Jr. was listed as one of the seven most influential people in getting President Donald Trump elected. Mm-hmm. So um, to see him have this fall, and it seems like the president, it's almost like anybody who is around President Trump has had some sort of moral failure in the last four years. That's certainly troubling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think for the whole country and us as Christians to look at, this was a guy who was prominent? It'd be like Franklin Graham having the same type of issue. You know, I think, I think many of us would be greatly troubled um, if if Franklin Graham had these accusations um, and there were evidence. I mean, we're not talking about accusations with no evidence. I mean, there's pictures and text messages and all sorts of stuff here. So we're not. Yeah, and, and that's that's important too because the New
0: Testament makes it clear. And I, I, obviously, this is not this is not a position in a church. And so I don't think you can apply new Testament standards rigidly, but I think there are some principles that still stand. Uh, one of the things the new Testament teaches is you, you don't even consider charges against an elder or a leader without um, multiple eyewitnesses.
1: Yeah. And, and that's important. And I think so. And that's one of the problems with the uh, seminaries and Bible colleges that aren't tied to denominations or local churches is that they aren't tied to the local church. So who who has the ultimate authority. So the way that Liberty was set up is that the president had ultimate authority. Um, and like, just to give you any, any good university, any good school is going to have tenured professors and tenured professors have a tremendous amount of clout in the direction of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no tenured professors outside of the law school. And the only reason they're tenured is because they legally had to um, based on the nature of their, so, you know, it's troubling. It's a good school. Um, you know, I, I felt like my education was great. Um, you know, they're, they're Armenian and dispensationalist. So many of our listeners might appreciate them, um, you know, who are, who are dispensationalist or, or, and, or Arminian, Um, but it was their, it was them prodding me that actually pushed me towards Calvinism. So I appreciate that school dearly yeah
0: no it's not it's not as though the why shouldn't you apply anti-principles that are no that's a great point matt yeah because they even if they're not a church they are a christian institution they claim to be a gospel institution so i i think that's a good point
1: um bigford's question is really interesting
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh do you see a boundary where even with repentance a professing christian who repeatedly sins cannot return to leadership this is this is a we gotta, we gotta be careful here because um, we sin in all sorts of ways. Um, sometimes we can even sin without knowing it, right? I think one of the great um, graces of God that we have is that He gives us a lifetime in which He reveals either by the witness of other people or by the witness of His Word, maybe both, through the Holy Spirit, to reveal to us our own sinfulness. So, um, you and I were actually talking about this off air about music, um, or not off air as in the, it was in the banter club episode, how like my music has changed in the last 10 or 15 years because I felt uncomfortable with certain things. And that could be the the Holy spirit prodding me and that. That was a sinful, um, you know, there was some sin involved or involved with that. So, um, what I would say to to Bickford's question is that it's repeat uh, repetition of the same sin over and over again, and a lack of repentance. Um, I think, I think what we're called to is progress. We've already been given the perfection of Christ and we're growing into that perfection. But if you're talking about someone who, um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm. I don't want to use too 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 big of an example, but um, you know, in Jerry Junior's example, it it would seem that power has corrupted him over the last thirteen years. Um, it knowing that it might be unwise to restore him to leadership of a church or another Christian organization. Um, so yeah, yeah,
0: and. I think there is, too. It's important that we understand the actual meaning of the word repentance, because sometimes, because, uh, and and in some ways this is a biblical idea, because of the language in, in places like Psalm 51, where David talks about his remorse, his brokenheartedness, his broken and contrite spirit, we can sort of get this idea that repentance is just a feeling when the actual biblical testimony is that repentance is a feeling and an action. Right. And so, Bickford, when you say, um, even with repentance, I guess I would ask, what do you mean? Is it, is it just someone who feels bad when they continue to engage in that that kind of behavior? Or is it someone who has expressed remorse and acted in mm-hmm. accordance with that repentance?
1: Right. So do you turn away from the sin or not? i mean that's pretty objective um that that is quite the objective thing my concern for 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 him and for any brothers that are caught up in in the same types of issues is that you know he's been deflecting for years like this isn't the first controversy that has surrounded him it's like every six months or or it seems more recently it's been more often um only, only maybe two months ago was he. Uh, he posted a picture on Twitter. He lo- he loved Twitter for a long time. Post a f- he posted a he posted a a photo of Twitter with his pants unzipped next to a woman scantily clad, pants unzipped that was not his wife. Wow! Yeah, yeah. I it's, yeah man, that was, that was only a couple months ago. I don't so, understand
0: why he wasn't removed for that. He
1: was on temporary leave. He was on temporary leave, okay. and then and then this stuff came out. Okay. So, um, you, you know, there's usually a pattern. You can mm-hmm. usually see these things before it all comes to a head. Yeah. Um. So so let's talk about how can we get how can we prevent some of these things, Luke? How can yeah. so so? Um. Because again, the, here's my encouragement for you. Like, if you're, if you're upset about Jerry, and I am, like, I've wanted him to resign for a few years now. Um, in fact, I started seminary there after my bachelor's and withdrew from seminary because of some things he said in the media that I did not feel comfortable being associated with the university anymore. Mm-hmm. Now that he's resigned, um, I could see myself going back there at some point. But um, I want to encourage you, as I am, pray for Jerry. Pray for um sincere repentance not just a not just a feeling sorry because he caught but a but a sincere understanding that he has sinned against a holy and perfect god the same one in whom he claims he's saved by but his actions have 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 gone a different direction um pray yeah. that the lord works in his heart pray for um his salvation if his, if he isn't already saved and that his testimony will show the glory of god in the midst of it
0: yeah and, and look i i don't think the question is whether or not we fall
1: mm-hmm.
0: as he has the question is will we fall well
1: mm-hmm. um Nathan, nathaniel asked are, are there are there sins committed by a professing christian that permanently disqualify that person from church leadership uh, i i don't i don't think so i think we probably have to take it case by case i don't necessarily want to speak generalities in that you know um you yeah. know you know an example here here's an example of Driscoll right so Driscoll um you Thank know you, was was known to be a tyrant um he was a tyrant as a leader of his church just um and then less than a year after essentially I don't know if he got fired or resigned and the church just got just blew up man mm-hmm. um he planted another church in Arizona mm-hmm. um a year sounds kind of short. Um, you know, if you know, like this power that you had, like all this authority went to your head and you became a tyrant, I'd be a little bit more slow to get back into church leadership, but that's just, I'm not saying it would permanently exclude him from it, but it is something that he would need safeguards. In. So yeah. let's get into the safeguards. Cause I think that's incredibly important. And I like what Nathaniel says, and I actually have this up in my Bible and on my screen, um, I want to read 1 Timothy 3, 1 through um, 3. Before,
0: before you read it, let me say one more thing to Beckford's comment, because I think this is an important example. Um, I think it's safe to say that Peter was a professing Christian before the crucifixion of Jesus. Some people might disagree with that. I I think his confession of who Christ was, um, that I, I think it shows that he he was a, you could call him a professing Christian, even though, Maybe you say there wasn't such a thing at that time. I think he was. If he was, he denied Jesus three times and within a few weeks was restored. I'm not saying that that should be the norm. I'm saying if that sin can be forgiven and he can be restored to leadership, I would not put anyone beyond uh, the not just the grace of God but the grace of the church, which is not to say that we should be careless or quick or eager to restore such people, but um, I think if that sin can, if someone who engaged in that sin can be restored to the position that he, that Jesus restored him to, then I, I can't think of anything that we, we could say um, automatically, permanently disqualifies you, unless, of course, it's the kind of thing that you're going to go to jail for, um, but even then, if, if a if a christian commits that kind of a sin or crime ends up in prison has the opportunity to lead a church there even then the 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 grace of god i think goes uh further and deeper than than we sometimes give it credit for so i would answer his question if there is one i can't i can't think of it
1: yeah all right well let's get into what the character qualifications of a of an elder are and I think, at least in my view, when you're talking about a seminary professor, or uh, when you're talking about seminary professor, we're talking about working in a place that's training Christian leaders. I think you should apply the same qualifications as an elder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's just get to it. First Timothy three. We're not going to get into Titus. We're going to get into First Timothy three, um, and then I'll do the shorthand version of the list that I have out of what this means. So. First or uh, first Timothy three verses one through three. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer. Now this is important for us. I'm sorry. I, this is just how I read scripture. It is important for us to understand that you can aspire and should uh, someone who is going to be an elder should aspire for to that position. It's not something that everybody should aspire to, but it is a good thing to aspire to that office. However, we need to be careful because oftentimes that isn't a godly aspiration for some folks, and that might be the case with some. So he desires a noble task. It's a noble task to be an overseer. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Um, so looking at, because uh, I get this on a, on a Google Doc of stuff for, for something else, I listed out the qualifications of an elder, but I took up excuse me a couple of them because this isn't what for an elder position but above reproach that means um like if someone uh someone's going to come to you to do uh, do something unethical like there's no question that you're not going to do it you're above reproach there there there's no way that your ethical meter will be moved one way or the other and people recognize that you are a stand up and ethical Person monogamous and faithful to your spouse. Um, That is important. So, a lot of people look at that first part in First Timothy 3 and wonder if that is something about divorce. Um, You can have that question or you can answer that question a couple of different ways. I take it to mean a monogamous relationship. I think that's what the original language, and when I talk to smart people, that's what they suggest as well a monogamous and faithful spouse. Sober minded, self controlled. Um, that means you don't fly off the handle easily. Um, that means you're in control of your emotions. You're free from addiction. You're respectable, hospitable, cool-tempered, gentle, not quarrelsome. That means you're not going out and trying to find a fight all the time. Uh, generous, upright, and holy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the scripture, man. I mean, that's what we should be looking for uh, in our Christian leaders um, you know, when we start applying that in, because in, people ask this, because we're in the midst of an election, do we apply those same things to, to presidents or senators and, con- you know, our elected officials? Um, I would love to, I'm a bit more, ske- I'm a bit skeptical.
0: Yeah, um, it, it, it kind you know, of, it seems impossible at this point. I mean, when I, I, I know, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much here, but I would be willing to say that. In my lifetime, it has always been the choice between the lesser of two evils, and I,
1: I don't know that you. I mean, when I was a big you, fan of, I was I was a big fan of W.
0: I, I, I know you. Fan. You and I disagree a little bit on W, but let's even say he's the exception. So, eight out of thirty years, I mean, that's still the the you would say the majority of the time, we were picking between the lesser of two evils. Yeah, I I, I don't know that you can apply. Impl- there is a biblical um there there is a biblical argument for applying these standards to leaders because of what we see about which leaders of Israel were the good ones and the the character that they displayed but if you're choosing between Joe Dirt and Joe Dirtier I just don't know
1: if you can apply these standards Yeah. And I'm with you. Like, uh, to me, the most important characteristic, or or the most important factor in a leader in any organization is character. Um, And I think, you know, it's it's tough, man. I try to go with the character with the character folks first. And then when I look and say, all right, it's lacking, lacking any sort of character on either side. Now I vote for the platform in which most aligns with what I think the scriptures speak to. Yeah. Um, but but of course, what what we're discussing today, we don't want to get too off track. Is about those
0: upon whom we can apply these standards. And there, there's something else I want to make sure we get to, Eric. I appreciate you walking through those standards. But I think those standards, knowing them, having them, are powerless if you don't have real accountability within your leadership.
1: And that's what we that's what we need to focus on. So um how do we how do we do that, man? How do we institute accountability because I think a lot of churches, even a lot of AC churches, um, they kind of look at the pastor as a lone ranger. Mm -hmm. Um and then there are people that are like sit under the pastor. They might advise the pastor, but he kind of does a lot of a lot of the work and yeah. they rely on him. They expect him to be all of those things. Um, and let's face it, like we might have all of those things as part of our, of our character, but we might have greater strengths and weaknesses in some of those things. So, yeah. um, so yeah. I, what does accountability look like?
0: I personally, I'm just going to share my experience because I have been very, very blessed in this regard. So up until two years ago, I was never, in the head position in a church and so there was always someone in authority over me which Mm -hmm. means the first you know 10 years that I worked in the church I was always submitting to someone else's authority which was great Mm -hmm. under someone else's protection under their leadership under their guidance and under their discipline then uh, I am hired here at the church and one of the first things that I wanted to make sure was that there was going to be that accountability. And the way that they they do it here is I am under the authority of the deacons. Mm-hmm. So I feel I feel very blessed in that. I've even though there's a lot of freedom and a lot of independence to my position that I enjoy very much, I am not at the top of the hierarchy. There are others who have been given authority over me. And um, I submit to their guidance and discipline, and I feel I feel very blessed to have that.
1: That's good. Um, yeah, I think at, at, at my church it's about the same. Um, I think uh, yeah, I think it's about the same. Um, in, well, uh, in, in at least practically speaking, we yeah. also have a. We have like an every two, I haven't experienced this yet, but we have an every two year pastoral confidence uh, vote.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I have one of those every three years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm very, and I'm very concerned about it because I'm like, I think I said to someone, I'm like, man, if like, I think when I got here, I think when I was called here, like I had like an 85, 89% Mm -hmm. call or something like that. Like, man, if I'm at like 64, now what do I do? (laughs) Like 64% confidence does not sound like it's trending in the correct direction. Yeah.
0: I don't, I I don't think that's something that you can worry about. I mean, I I have one of those every three years. My first one went really well, but when it comes around again, it's not like, I mean, look, we're not politicians, right? So we're, we're not going to be, we're not going to be campaigning and changing our, our language, or, or changing our uh, our pastoral philosophy to try to appease the voters. No, we we try to faithfully do the work of the ministry to which God is God and that church has called us, and we let the chips fall where they may. And I don't, I don't, I understand the concern. I'm sure next year when my vote comes around, I'll feel it too. But I think we should try as much as we can to to live and work to please God rather than men. And um, let let that vote go the way that it goes.
1: Yeah, I think so. So accountability, we have that with our deacons. You and I just shared. I also I feel like I I have that conversation, or or I have greater accountability. Not even with my local deacons, I have that conversation in or or that accountability with guys like you. So you and I are in, or are in a group of guys that get together to study theology, but I also feel like that's an important thing for us to have that relationship where there's some level of accountability. Yeah. Um, and there has been, like you've told me even off air, like, dude, you need to take a vacation. Um, <laughs> You need to take a vacation. Mm-hmm. So I hope I, I hope I, I can take well, one soon once we get well, in this. Well, the you, you,
0: you bring up something important, though, because this is something else that you and I have that sometimes I think we take for granted. Because there are a lot of pastors who don't have this. You and I also have the accountability of fellow pastors. We have right. such relationships with these other guys who are, are doing the same thing that we're doing and who can come alongside us and encourage us, but will also you know, call us out on our nonsense. And yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, there are a lot of pastors, a lot of them, who do not have that.
1: They don't yeah. have and you need that. Like, so if you're, if you're watching your pastor doesn't have other pastor friends. Um, what you want, you want them to parent trap them? Like make them, <laughs> I don't know, but here's the thing. Like, I think they know they don't have other pastor friends. So like, um, so, you know, you don't want to inundate them with like a new task of, Oh, you got to go make friends. Cause that's really uncomfortable. That's like kindergarten. Go make friends, honey. But um, you know, they need that. They need that because they're going to hold each other accountable. Um, now that doesn't always work out because I think that um, that was the case with Driscoll and McDonald. They supposedly had other pastors that were supposed to hold them accountable and they did not. Um, so you have, there has to be a level of transparency, right? Yeah. Or transparency. And I feel like you and I have that level of transparency. I have that with Bickford and a couple of other guys that I feel like I can just be, um, totally, you know, uh, open with, mm-hmm. and, and, um, that's, that's crucial. It's critical for us to have. So we don't fall into, to a, a trap because I don't think whether it's Driscoll, McDonald, Falwell Jr. Or anybody else. Yeah. They didn't get there overnight. It was yeah. a long, It was, what is it? a Peterson talks about um, the Christian life or sanctification is a long walk in the same direction. Um, well, that's the same thing with sin. It's a long walk in a, a for a long period of time or in the same direction towards unholiness and ungodliness.
0: Yeah, and I really appreciate you bringing up the fact that most of the time this doesn't happen all at once because this is where— look i've been in churches that had an unhealthy culture of conflict in that it was all they did right everyone spoke their mind all the time anytime they had an opinion and it was awful there is also such a thing as an unhealthy uh, uh, culture of conflict where you never do conflict right where where you never uh call people confront them with their sin. It it made me think of Galatians chapter six, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted, Uh, carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And I'm, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes with some of the the leaders that we've mentioned today. So I, I'm not going to judge that situation. I think if I, if I were sort of part of that the inner circle with that person in the aftermath of these fallouts, I would want to ask, did anyone come to you before it got this bad? Did anyone confront you before you got this deep? Um, which isn't to say that necessarily they didn't. Maybe they did and that person ignored their rebuke and continued in their sin. But I do wonder sometimes how often is the problem that these people either create themselves or are given a culture of conflict where conflict doesn't happen until it's completely unavoidable. And yeah. and the issues become so big and so deep and so public that you have to do it as opposed to, you know, cutting things off at the root and having those difficult conversations early. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm with it. I don't have I don't have too much more to say. Are we going to finish before the hour today? Uh, looks like it. Uh, looks like it. I thought that was good. Is there anything else we need to do before the show's over? Can we do it in four minutes? This would be revolutionary for Bible Land Banter. Uh,
1: well, hey, you can go. I dropped the link before. You can go get my new book. Discover this is a. Uh, I'm telling you, Luke. What were your thoughts about this book? Is that
0: the one that I edited? Yeah. I haven't read the, the fully edited version yet, so I, I need to read it, and then I'll let you How know. How did you mind.
1: not read the fully edited version, and you gave me – this is what you said about my book. If there is such a thing as reformed theology for dummies, this is it. <laughs> and then you said some other stuff. Well, you should read um, the other stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, come on. Come with, on. Skill, with skill and brevity, Eric lays out the essential truths of the Christian faith and asks the questions that will bury those truths deep in your heart and mind. Theology doesn't have to be intimidating, not should it ever nor should it ever be shallow or oversimplified because if it was, me, Reverend Luke Copeland, would never be able to understand it.
0: Yep, that's it. And and if that's what I thought of the rough draft, imagine how good the final draft.
1: <laughs> <did>. Uh <laughs> So um yeah. Hey, we, uh, I, I won't say that I enjoyed today's um, discussion because I, I hate talking about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think, I think our sin is deeply theological. What we believe about God and ourselves influences how we approach our sin mm-hmm. and, and how we, how we react when confronted with it. Yeah. If If we think that we can earn our salvation in some kind of way when we are presented with our sin, um, we might be quick to dismiss it or try to bury it because we think that maybe the other accomplishments can outweigh the sin that we've done in this earth. There is nothing you can do here on earth that will outweigh your sinfulness and what you have done to God. Understand that. Yeah except for the work of christ in saving you by his grace and his mercy Mm -hmm. he has cleansed you um first john says that um those who love darkness hate the light and that when there is darkness in the light that we have rejected we've rejected christ so um you know it's one thing i don't think god expects us as as some denominations teach that we should be perfectly holy in all things Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we should hate the darkness, and when we find ourselves there accidentally, when we wander off the narrow path, I mean, read the Pilgrim's Progress. And you see yeah. Christian um, going off the path, and then and then having someone, God sends him a, a messenger or sends him a person to help bring him back on that narrow path. What a I, this right here. This this is what I'm hoping for, Jerry Jr. Man, and this is what I'm hoping for you, for me, for McDonald, for. For um, Driscoll, anybody who is caught in sin, anybody, that God by his grace and his mercy sends you someone to help reveal to you your sin and call you to repentance and to the cross. Yeah, um, I, I pray that for my own heart, whether it's someone personally like yourself, Luke, or somebody else, or even if it's just reading the word. Spending time in prayer and having the Lord prick my heart for me to realize how great of a sinner I truly am. But how great is our God, who in the midst of our sinfulness, while we still hated him, he loved us and saved us by the blessed work of his son. Amen. Let me say one more thing. The mark of a
0: qualified Christian leader is not perfect obedience to God, which only Christ could have ever achieved. It is willingness to receive
1: correction. Mm, that's good. That's good. Um, although as I'm studying, cause we're starting off in first John, um, mm-hmm. as I'm studying first John, I'm realizing that oh, joyful obedience is an aspect is when you, when you go and you know, some people I've heard people say, well, how do I know if I'm saved? Well, we, Eric, we didn't for, make it. The clock hour. now says one hour and six seconds. Whatever. Whatever. I'm preaching here, man. I'm preaching. On. <laughs> um but we see joyful obedience as a mark of a disciple mm-hmm. um now i would first say do you believe and if you say yes i believe i say well that is the first mark of a disciple mm-hmm. um have you repented of your sin and trusted in christ yes yes that is a mark of a disciple. Now, do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Our Lord Jesus says this in the Gospel of John, but also the author of John says this in 1 John. You must love your brothers. Mm-hmm. You must. Mm-hmm. You must. If you lack love for your brothers, that is, I'm not saying that you're not saved, yeah. but it is an indicator that, that calls that into question. Yeah, And part
0: of loving your brothers is kind, gentle, careful, rebuke, and correction. That's right. Luke, right. well, you yeah. preached the sermon today, man. You know what? We didn't We didn't get it under an hour, but I think we'll be done before 105, which is still a record for us.
1: It is. Yeah, I mean, in recent months, we've been going pretty long. So um, unless anybody has anything before we get off, um, please go yeah. find us on Patreon. Um, you can support yes. us that way. If you uh, want you like and more share Bible
0: banter, if you want more Bible banter, an hour, hour and five minutes today just ain't enough for you. There is more. There is more on patreon.com slash Bible banter club.
1: Boom. Um, so hey, we appreciate everybody for watching. Appreciate those who've liked and shared next Tuesday. I will look at all the people who liked this video and shared this video. And listen, if you share this video twice, Luke. Luke, this is how you win, right? This is how you win this book, right? So there's going to be two winners. Two winners. If you share this book, or if you share this video more than once, you will be entered for each time you share this video. So, like, if there's 100 shares, and it's 99 of them are the same person, guess how many times they get entered in? 99.
0: I mean, you. I think we all know what Jesus said about the 99, so was going to do
1: that one yeah there was a song about
0: that wasn't it didn't keith green write it oh man we never we didn't talk about keith green today in our worship music episode i don't
1: know who keith green is oh no i was 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 talking about the the heretical song um um what is it called uh twisted love reckless love sounds that song's pretty twisted
0: that That is not Keith Green. You and I are talking after the episode, young man. I'm going to tell you who Keith Green is. I can't okay. believe it.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. All if right, you want to learn more sure. about our views on music, you can go subscribe to the Banter Club. <laughs> thank so, you, everybody.
0: We yeah, always love sure. you and your comments and your questions and your participating. Nathaniel, thank you so much for your didactic teaching today, teaching through questions. Sounds a lot like Jesus.
1: Boom. You know what? He does sound a lot like Jesus. Robert Mayer, who's also one of my professors in seminary. He's probably going to flunk me now because I don't know who Keith yeah, Green is.
0: Yeah, you, you, you need to get off the stream. You just admitted you don't know who Keith Green is. There's some, There are bad things coming your way.
1: Sorry, man. Uh, Dr. Mayer, thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody else. God bless you. Take care. Pray for JFJ and for repentance in faith. God bless you.